man. Oh, man. Do we have a lot we have to dive into today here on a brand new season. The the season debut of the Checkerboard Chatter. What's up? Tyler Ivins with you for the next 30 minutes or less. Everything you need to know to get caught up on the University of Tennessee as we record this on a Friday evening. It's the final day of June, and we have so many things that we need to get into. You know where it is. The DMs are right there. We will have mailbags coming up after the 4th of July holiday. Let's get started with the news that I just mentioned. Another season of checkerboard chatter. Shouts to the dude Mansfield. Shouts to a lot of the staff that's here at the Ball Report over at the Tennessee Rivals page. We pumped out more than 50 episodes for you in season one. We kept you up to date with everything through that Tennessee Orange Bowl championship season. Took you to sweet 16 appearances by both the men and the Lady Balls in the NCAA tournament. And then how about the men picking up their first College World Series win in Omaha for the first time? Since 2001. Yeah, 2001. It's just all these stats, they just kind of jumble up in the head after a while. But that's what you view us for, right? That's what you come to us for, is having some of those big, big moments relived or share with some of your favorites, some of you favorite listeners, the viewers, whoever you're catching our coverage, we say thank you so much. That is over at the Checkerboard Chatter. Now, really, there's a question where we need to get started for today. And it's one that, really, if you think about it, It's one that's probably been asked since Hidden Hooker, Byron Young, some of the others like Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt. You you have a top 10 pick last year and Darnell Wright going to the Chicago Bears. You could probably start asking this question as soon as the draft was completed. What do you do if you're Tennessee and how realistic is the expectations this year? I mean, look, that's a question I probably get asked a lot. What are realistic expectations for Tennessee football in 2023? Now, if I may, can we just take a step back for a few minutes? This this is what we're approaching right now. If you're a Tennessee fan, which you probably are since you're viewing the checkerboard chatter here on YouTube or inside the page over at the Tennessee Rivals, I want to take you back just a few moments. If you've known me as long as you've known me or if you've been viewing the channel as long as you have or if you've been listening to my programming local here on Rocky Top, you know my Fountain City days from Sturkey to Gresham, Central to Tennessee to where we are now, family who had season tickets for so many years. And now I sit here just fresh off my 37th birthday and I just remember so many high water, high big moment marks and even the low stuff over so many years at the University of Tennessee. And it's been a moment. It's been a minute since there have been moments, I should say, like what Josh Heupel and the University of Tennessee are going through right now. I mean, really, if you think about it, Tennessee is on the cusp, on the cusp of regaining a status they haven't seen in a decade, decade, half plus, maybe even 20 years, two decades. But the story, I I traveled a lot. I used to travel a lot. I was frequently in hotels. I was frequently in rental cars, terminal to terminal at airports, at the luggage carousel if I didn't do anything but a carry-on bag. And there's one particular airport. If I say this, you'll probably immediately know what airport it is. Knoxville connects to it often. So if you fly into TYS at McGee Tyson, you'll know exactly what I'm referencing. There are moving walkways. One that'll take you towards the claim your baggage escalator, the other which will take you towards the terminals so you can jump on whatever shuttle's taking you to whatever part of the airport. Detroit. Uh, And um, at this particular airport, there was a time, and it happened to me more than once. One particular time, we're on those moving walkways, 
And I remember I was wearing my favorite quarter zip. I've got a quarter zip that's got a power tee on it. It's not my favorite because it's got a power tee on it. It's my favorite because it's the most comfortable that I have. It's real comfortable, especially if you're sitting first class coach, whatever you're doing. And I remember staring ahead because I knew I had a long trip ahead of me. And I was just looking at all the colorful things on the wall. You know exactly the ceiling where I am at Detroit International. And I just happened to look over at a gentleman who's on the moving walkway going towards baggage claim. And he looks over at me and just goes, looks down at the power tee on my quarter zip, looks me back up and goes. That year, Tennessee had lost to Columbia, South Carolina to the Gamecocks, still had a chance to go to the Sugar Bowl, and they lost to James Franklin and Vanderbilt at the end of the year. Butch Jones was still the head football coach. It was just a bad season, especially the season that had so many highs that year for the University of Tennessee football. Another time at Detroit, a guy saw my power tee. I was wearing a polo this time, and we were sitting at a Chili's airport chicken fingers that are like $27. You know where I'm going with this. And the gentleman looked across at the bar at me and goes, yes, ma'am, bartender, I'd like to get another one of these. And whatever that gentleman down there, he's probably had a rough year. Come to find out. Of all people, of all people in Detroit, he was a West Virginia fan. So in two trips to the airport, long story short, if you'll allow this, you have the head nod, the laughter from whatever random fan was on the opposite side of the moving walkway, and then a West Virginia fan purchasing me drinks because, well, Tennessee fans are just having a tough go at it. They need a little bit of the liquid courage to be able to get back on the saddle. Now when you walk through, airports with your luggage tag attached to your carry-on maybe it's hanging from your backpack your carry-on maybe you have it on a power tee whatever it may be people are looking at you as if oh there's Tennessee fan man they've been through it all but man they're experiencing some good times right now so realistic expectations after that short little story without getting a big full of gas or full of you know full of airhead what should Tennessee's realistic expectations be win totals for 2023? Let me ask this question. If you've gotten this far in the video, stay with me momentarily. Just answer this question. What is the definition of realistic? Everybody has their own definition. You can look up the one right there on your smart device or your Googles, whatever it is. Now, when I say the phrase realistic expectations, what number pops in your head win total for the University of Tennessee? Vegas has Tennessee at eight and a half, that dreaded hook, making a lot of people wonder which way Tennessee is going to go this year. For me, realistic expectations for Tennessee is a ceiling of 10 and two and the floor of eight and four. Let's discuss it a little bit, shall we? First, the good side. Realistic ceiling of 10 wins and two losses in a 12-game regular season. You didn't take that, right? Of course you would. Likely losses would be to who? Bama in Tuscaloosa, October. Georgia in, excuse me, Georgia coming to Knoxville in November. That's still going to get you into the college football conversation for the playoff. You're likely to fall to a New Year's Six game. Maybe you end up going to the Sugar Bowl that you just missed out on last year. Maybe it's a Cotton Bowl date against a group of five team. I know there's those different rotating sites, but you're back in the New Year's Six conversation. I think Tennessee going 10-2 and two this year. Super ceiling realistic. Absolutely. You revenge your game against South Carolina. This is the 20-year anniversary. The last time Tennessee went down to the swamp and beat the Gators, 2003. So 20 years ago. Of course, the Columbia-Missouri game put me to sleep. Kentucky up in Lexington. It has. It's, uh, and then you've got matchups like neutral site games with Virginia. 
could be a little kooky of a group of five game against UTSA. That's your ceiling. If you're a Tennessee fan, then you know what I'm about to say to you is 1,000% true. Let's talk about the floor momentarily. Tennessee, when it comes to the floor of eight wins. Let's say Tennessee this year, in fact, loses to the same two opponents, just as the two they would lose to in a 10-2 situation. Bama, Georgia. What if Tennessee was to go down to Florida and something was to happen and Billy Napier in his second year were to get the balls? What if by chance, arguably the best roster in the SEC, Texas A&M, they start figuring it out? You know, what if by chance Jimbo Fisher puts his ego to the side, allows Bobby Petrino to fully run Connor Wigman in this offense in the right direction? Remember, the ego was a huge issue last year in Texas A&M's 5-7 and seven finish. They didn't even make it to a bowl game last year. So you got to imagine A&M's going anywhere but up this year. What if Mark Stoops has figured it out with a better quarterback in Devin Leary instead of Will Levis in Lexington? What if, in fact, this year you do to Columbia, Missouri, and Eli Drinkowitz finds a hat, rabbit in his hat. You know, some of these are unlikely. But if you're a Tennessee fan or you've followed Tennessee for some time, you know what I'm talking about when I say, where's the game Tennessee's going to stub their toe? It happens every year. Every year. There's always one opponent Tennessee is either favored to beat. Going through the entire week, the setup says win-loss this opponent. And they always end up doing something that wasn't in the cards, wasn't in the mix. I just made reference to the year Tennessee lost to South Carolina, Halloween weekend. And then they still have a chance to beat Vanderbilt to go to the Sugar Bowl to take on Joe Mixon in Oklahoma. And they stub their toe again. Right? Last year on the way to the college football playoff, Hendon Hooker, knee comes out from under him. He's hitting on the floor. His career at the University of Tennessee is over. The Vols do not go to the college football playoff. You go to Oxford, Mississippi, Deuce McAllister runs through you for four quarters. I don't have to keep going through these examples, right? I'm a realist. I've followed this team for a very long time. I'm now have the pleasure of covering this team for as long as I have. You know what I'm referring to when I say the stub your toe game. The game where you think that Tennessee's got everything figured out. Tennessee's got everything in order. And they unfortunately play 60 minutes and not 57 minutes. Tyree Cleveland down in the swamp four years ago. You catch my drift. For Tennessee football this year, anything below eight wins would be a serious disappointment. And anything above 10 wins, in my opinion, 11 and one, I think that would be an absolute just miracle having to happen. That Tennessee football, that everything clicked so well for them. Because you got to ask yourself, and this is going to be another conversation for another time, but if you ask yourself one question, what should it be? What is the biggest question that's around Tennessee football that would prevent them from reaching a realistic expectation threshold, right? So, so, and this will be another checkerboard chatter for another time. We still have Tennessee baseball to get to over the last week or so with some of their transfer portal and as well as their decommitments. But man, Tennessee football right now, if they can get Joe Milton to make that massive jump, the light bulb moment, going from best friend and roommate Hendon Hooker to Joe Milton's third opportunity at a starting job in college football, what could this go around be for a Tennessee team that have sat patiently and waited for somebody to take Joe Milton, mold him, and hope that the door and the light and that everything opens up and locks in for this guy? I mean, 
let's be real. When Hendon Hooker came to the University of Tennessee, it was chaos. You knew Jeremy Pruitt was on his way out. He was coming to practice. He didn't really know what brought tomorrow. Josh Heupel came to the University of Tennessee, looked at the quarterback room and said, I like these guys, but let's look around the country. It was Josh Heupel who went to the transfer portal, saw Joe Milton was leaving Ann Arbor and said, I can win with that guy. Bring me Joe Milton. You have to imagine a guy who is as bright and has worked with some of the most creative offensive minds that the sport has seen that Josh Heupel has an advantage of being able to do something for Joe Milton that not a lot of people can do. Some of those other questions, I understand for another time, I understand our direction in this chat, but I feel like we're on to something here. Those expectations, could a 10-2 and two or 11-1 season be met if the secondary is improved, right? I mean, look, last year there were 131 teams that were ranked in college football FBS size. And Tennessee ranked 127. They had the fourth worst secondary in all of college football last year. So what, what's going to change? Willie Martinez, we've seen him before, take some of the best minds and bodies and turn it into a successful secondary. Last year, though, do you know how many, by, by chance, let's just chat for a second. If you had to guess, how many kids, student athletes, did Tennessee have on scholarship in the secondary last year? Random guess. Correct answer, 17. 17 student athletes last year suited up for the University of Tennessee with a scholarship, and the Volunteers finished with the fourth worst secondary in all of college football. Now, now you have to imagine Kamal Haddon at the light bulb, much like his co like his teammate Joe Milton, that that you'll see the bulb turn on. Uh, Warren Burrell, who suffered a season-ending injury in non-conference matchup against Pittsburgh last year, I remember watching him tumble into the south end of that end zone and went, "That's not good." You went out, Jalen McCullough's coming back, but how much can he give you in a year that was kind of riddled with controversy after some of the off-field issues that happened? You want me to go to Christian Charles, go down the list, Gabe Judy Lawley coming through in the transfer portal. There's Danico Slaughter, where does he fit into the star plans? Again, this is more of a deep dive when we get closer to football season. It's right now, what is it? It's June 30th, final day of June. That's how I opened up the program today. Nine weeks from tomorrow, 64 days until it's football time in Tennessee. Nine weeks from tomorrow, Tennessee is going to open up against Virginia. And the question is simple. How many questions need to be answered? What's the quickest route of finding those answers to some of those questions? How can you find some of those answers to so many of those questions, right? That last question I think that a lot of people probably need to know is, can the offensive line stay as healthy as they did last year? Look, I could talk about replacing Princeton Fant. I could talk about who's going to win the outside pitcher at wide receiver between Dante Thornton and Ramel Keaton. I could talk about whether or not the running back room is going to hold up. They have four, four solid backs they really could rely on. But the offensive line, how vital was it that they stayed healthy last year to help Hendon Hooker on his way to another Heisman Trophy, at least game-by-game game candidacy that all came to an end with that loss in Columbia. It was that offensive line. Javante Spragans has already been talked about as a first-round talent, much like his line mate last year was in Darnell Wright. Cooper Mays' health. Goodness gracious. If I wanted to sit here on Checkerboard Jatter and just hit record and talk about 
players that maybe aren't being brought up on every day, breath by breath, radio broadcast or television, two minutes. McAllen Castles replacing Princeton Vant and the health of Cooper Mays. That's your article right there. Because Princeton Vant, I think, is often forgot about just how much of the heavy load he carried last year, not just in receptions, but what he was able to do, run blocking to help out small and right get in the end zone last year, massive. Go back and watch the film. I've re-watched each of Tennessee's wins last year. Probably should watch the Georgia game more than once. I didn't. But re-watch those games twice each. And man, was Princeton fan a massive, massive reason why the Volunteers found so much success last year. But in closing the offensive line and the realistic expectations, maybe now is not a good time to answer that question. Because really, you want to get closer to fall camp and you want to find out how some of those other pieces recover from offseason. Look, Brew McCoy had surgery, all right? Are you going to be able to see him get ready, moving in the right direction before they get started for fall camp? And on top of that, does somebody else emerge besides Squirrel White or some of the competition that are on the other side of the ball? We saw a couple of those wide receivers shine uh, back in April during the orange and white game. So the question of what are the realistic expectations for Tennessee football? And in a weird way, the answer is 9-3 and three or 10-2. and two. But what if I told you, in fact, if Tennessee did go 9-3, and three, all right. Let's say they went nine and three in the regular season. What are the chances Tennessee as a team, as a program, they get better, but the win totals take a step back because you know what? That very well could happen. And you talk about what Tennessee's already doing, how they're already building to the future. Great news was had about three hours ago. South Carolina product, Braylon Staley. He was the four-star wide receiver, speedster out of Aiken High School, six foot, about a buck 80. This guy, man, is he just a toy that Josh Heupel on this offense, Joey Halsey can play with. And, and look, out of the 15 star, fifth out of the 15 recruits that Tennessee has in this upcoming 24 class, 10 are only four stars. You're still looking for a five-star to be able to bring in. But wide receivers and quarterbacks and playmakers who need to get to the next level, they're looking at Josh Heupel's offense and they're going, that guy can help me make money, both NIL and when I go to the next level. Braylon Staley, Braylon Staley, who a lot of people knew was going to end up choosing Tennessee, maybe it was the fact that the competition was just Clemson or Miami or North Carolina. Obviously, Boo Carter, it seems, has had a huge, huge role to getting Braylon here in Knoxville. But a lot of Vol fans, very, very happy with that announcement earlier today. And here we are, sitting 64-some-odd days before it's football time, already looking to the future of 23, and now great news coming to Rocky Top for the future of 2024. So when you're inviting your grandma and your grandfather over for 4th of July Day barbecues or festivities, I know you're probably making this into a long four-, five-day weekend. Ask them. You're waiting in line to take a scoop of potato salad or beans or macaroni, whatever it is, barbecue, ask them. What are the realistic expectations for Tennessee in 2023? Because I think for a lot of us, one, we would have to define what realistic is. And number two, if you needed to pause and waited a little bit longer before you answered that question, I think everybody would be okay with that.
There's still a lot of $64,000 questions out there that need to be answered about injuries, about outcomes of some of the postseason surgeries, and just who's going to win some of those one-on-one battles that they're going to continue to duke out with graduation as well as transfer portal additions and subtractions to the Tennessee football program. Speaking of Tennessee and speaking of transfer portal, it made huge, huge news this past week about Chase Burns entering the transfer portal. Nobody wants to talk about it because you're losing somebody who essentially, he's your gas. That's all the guy does. He's got nasty breaking stuff. But after a promising first year in the rotation as a freshman, Chase Burns as a sophomore hit a bump in the road this year. He got bombed quite a bit whenever he was towing the rubber to start games. The Florida game was essentially the end of the road for Chase Burns this season as a part of that rotation. But man, did second life come. Remember, Burns goes to the bullpen after the Florida series. Tennessee bumps Andrew Haney up. From there, you see Chase Dolander follow, and then how everything played out with Drew Beam at the the back end of the bullpen. If you're a Tennessee fan, the Volunteers made it to the College World Series this year because of what Chase Burns was able to do for them out of the bullpen and what so many other people were able to do to fill that void in the rotation. Some people are pointing fingers right now at Tony Vitello going, how can you not keep this guy happy? Chase Burns don't grow on trees. While some sections of the fan base are going, Chase Burns, why can't you just understand? And look, both may be right, both may be wrong. But I think this is one of those moments that you need to take a pen and you need to put it in your court board. This is a put a pen in it moment. Tony Vitello is going to do what's best for Tennessee baseball as a whole. Instead of hurting people's feelings or or worrying about somebody when it comes to their ego, Tony Vitello understood the best route for Tennessee to go to find success and ultimately get to the College World Series was to remove Burns from the rotation. He ends up in the bullpen. And if it isn't for that move, one, does Tennessee make it to the College World Series? Likely not. Two, does Chase Burns become this sought-after bullpen piece that so many people are drooling over now in the college transfer portal? The answer is also no. It helped out in so many ways. Burns gets an opportunity. Maybe he goes to another program. They put him in the rotation, and he's elite. We don't know. But right now, the reason why there is so much traction towards Chase Burns is what he did, slamming the door at the end of the regular season, making players look uh, humiliating players in the Clemson Regional, slamming the door shut with 102-mile-an-hour gas and spiking his mitt in the, in the dugout in the Southern Miss Hattiesburg Super Regional. All that able to happen because of those moves by Tony Vitello. Now, I know what some people are saying. Well, wait a second. Uh, Man, I got to know a little bit more about what some of the things are that are happening. Well, why don't you lose Chase Burns? Nobody wants to see it play out this way. And then you end up grabbing a player out of Wichita State and Nate Sneed. If you have not seen Nate Sneed and what he's doing in his bullpen, sure, he's been clocked at 100 miles an hour during his time in the MVC. But, man, all freshmen on the AAC team, the guy looked absolutely just remarkable this year. And it was one of those things where if you're looking to replace fire with fire, you might have found that person in Wichita State and Nate Sneed. Probably the best name that I've seen in college baseball has now made its way to the University of Tennessee. If you haven't had an opportunity to check out what catcher-designated hitter Cannon Peebles brings to the Cannon. Cannon Peebles is his name. I encourage you when you're done watching this, when you've wrapped up checkerboard chatter for the day, stay on YouTube, go to the top of the search bar, type in Canon Peebles, 
and type in NJIT. Cannon Peebles, his time at NC State, but they were taking on the New Jersey Institute of Technology. 10 RBI game. The guy was just absolutely just dropping nuclear grenade bombs. And I get it. I'm not going to sit here and try to make it seem like NJIT's LSU. It's not what I'm doing. This guy has the opportunity to be the best piece that Tony Vitello's had behind the plate since getting to Knoxville. So transfer portal taketh away. The transfer portal giveth as well. Tennessee adding other pieces as well, trying to make sure they have the best available roster at hand for the start of the 2024 college baseball season. So there you have it. It was 30 minutes or less getting you all wrapped up for what you need this week. What did we cover from college football? The recruiting, Tennessee nabs a 15th recruit for the 2024 class. And Nate Staley, also on top of that, excuse me, and Braden Staley. Nate Sneed and one of the others that are coming in for college baseball and the transfer portal for the University of Tennessee. Massive move for Tony Vitello's team. And oh yeah, ask yourself this question as we say goodbye. What are those realistic expectations for the University of Tennessee heading into 2023? For me, your ceiling's 10-2. and two. Your floor is eight and four. You might meet in the middle a little bit, but Tennessee, especially if the light bulb turns on for their quarterback, Joe Milton can take Tennessee to a level they have not seen in over two decades. And can you imagine, in closing, in closing, can you imagine that Josh Heupel comes to the University of Tennessee after Jeremy Pruitt was clearly not the option or the answer, and in a short of 36 months takes Jeremy Pruitt this coaching, this headache of a team, this bad all-around recruiting when it wasn't legal, my McDonald bag leeching on the program. And in 36 months' time, three seasons, Josh Heupel already has Tennessee football on an average of nine wins a season, right? To be remarkable. Tennessee can do that with at least a 9-3 and three finish this year in the regular season. And if it's a nine and three season and maybe you end up playing in a citrus bowl in Orlando, maybe you take on a big 10 team. You know, what if a Wisconsin with Luke fickle comes pecking along James Franklin and Penn state, Iowa and Kirk Ferrant, PJ Fleck and Minnesota. Would you hate that so much? Look, I understand national championships are the bar in college football, but three years averaging nine wins a regular season. Josh Heupel cleaning this program up while grabbing some of the big names and making Tennessee back to the island of relevancy. I think you would take that, and I know I would take it. What's up? Tyler Ivins once again. Last time right there. We're going to have ourselves a massive mailbag coming up after the Independence Day holiday. And again, I'm sitting here. This is being recorded on Friday, June the 30th. Thank you. New season because of you. Thank you for viewing. Thank you for reading. Thank you for subscribing. Please be safe out there. If you're traveling, if you're listening to this just via the audio and it's hooked up to your auxiliary cable that's there on your dash radio, thank you. If you're doing this while you're fishing on your deck, thank you. If you're listening to this before you start flipping burgers or steaks or dogs on your grill, thank you. For the Tennessee Report, if you're looking for anything from the Vols, we got you covered here. Tennessee Rivals in the Vol Report. This has been the Checkerboard Chatter, and my name is Tyler Ivan.